Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They put the whole playbook in, and I pretty much know the playbook. But just to do the ins and outs of the playbook and go back and forth and just communicate with your teammates is really big. So I think I'm a little bit behind the eight ball on that. But I try to stay in on the walkthroughs and, and those type of things and on the conversations that they have to make sure that I'm still at the park. Yeah, training camp is over, so why not start practicing? That appears to be the approach for Ryan Shazier. It kind of was for Marquise Pouncey. And uh, will it be for Le'Veon Bell as well? That's that the next question be to be case, asked. Yeah. Well, Dale Lolly, Tim Benz with you as we come to a new location to conclude things. I guess it's something new for us as well to conclude training camp. Dale? Yeah, I uh, drive by this place all the time. Never been in. I told you, food was great, right? Absolutely. It's Gianelli's, fantastic. that's where we are on Route 30 in Latrobe. Tim Benz, Dale Lolly with you. We are part of the DBE pregame show. You can check us out on Sunday. Four hours in advance of Falcons and Steelers preseason game number two, the debut for the 2017 campaign at Heinz Field. And this is our last of many training camp shows. We've done one nightly here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. And uh, we have not been to Gianelli's for a show in the past. I have eaten here before tonight. Uh, believe it or not, we managed to eat in the span of one commercial break. It was so good. <laughs> uh, three of us here scarfed down the bruschetta chicken like it was nothing. Like when you throw a cracker to your dog with peanut butter on it and he just scarfs it down on one we bite. actually looked like chickens eating that like yeah. chickens that saw a grasshopper we just kind of went after it and it was so good i imagine it would have been even even bit better if we had taken the time to taste it so yeah uh, well you be can't here have it all. at gianelli's and wash it down with a bud light that's why we are here 350 for 20 ounce drafts we're going all the way up until nine o'clock and let's get started with the uh news of the day which is the return of some players to training camp which is good because there were many myself included Dale who was starting to get itchy to see some of these vets get out there we have constantly been told that none of the injuries to these key players meaning Pouncey Mitchell Shazier are things to worry about so okay I won't worry but I'm also being told all the time when it comes to Le'Veon Bell that practice time is so vitally important so obviously they're missing something important they should be practicing unless they're hurt and if they're hurt uh, then it might be more significant than people are letting on. Uh, where do you fall on that? And correspondingly, now that Ramon Foster has missed two days in a row, how, sh- how worried should we be about him? I'm not worried about him at all because it's not. A, I mean, those are those are veterans' days off. They're not going to play him in that third in that second preseason game. Uh, I've been told Pouncey was a uh, is, was a uh, a cut on his uh, on his leg that uh, they wanted to make sure didn't get infected. So kind of like the Brett Grimes one on Hard Knocks. Possibly, did, did you yeah. See you that. Just, I did not. Oh, <laughs> was that nasty? Yeah. He took a cleat straight down his yeah. shin, all the way to the bone. It'll skin you a little bit. Oh. Yeah. So uh, it's kind of like taking a cheese grater and just right down your shin. So that's that's nothing that, that that's you know going to hold him out. The ones that I've been concerned about though are Shazier and Mitchell. Um, you know, those are your two guys who Shazier's your your play caller on defense. Uh, he hasn't been out on the field at all in, in out here at, with. Um, Vince Williams at all that's your new inside starting linebacker tandem and Vince Williams missed the first couple of days of training camp because he was coming back off a of shoulder surgery and they wanted to, to keep him uh, out of the out of the fray right away 
And then when he came back, I think it was the same day or the day, you know, the next day, they, you know, there goes Ryan Shazier out. He hasn't really practiced since, maybe a day here or there. So that that's troubling to me. And then Mike Mitchell's your guy who's supposed to help with the defensive calls in the backfield. And he hasn't practiced since the first day of, of camp, really. He, he got hurt on the first play of seven shots. Right. And hasn't practiced since. Yeah, and that's something to be very much concerned about because I'll be honest with Dale, I actually think that they got more depth at corner than they do at safety. Yeah, uh, that's for sure. I think I think the cornerback position is a little more well-stocked and uh, certainly has more bodies and, and more NFL-ready uh, bodies. I don't know that it's a safety position. You know, Rob sh- Golden's still your top backup. Rob Golden's the top. I, and then after that, you're looking at, at Jordan Dangerfield uh, and some other guys there. But, you know, they don't have a ton of experience there. Um, you know, and, and you've got Sean Davis coming back off of uh, shoulder surgery as well. And they've kind of been, you know, gingerly bringing him back as well. So it's, it, it's, it's troubling back there. It wouldn't surprise me, uh, you know, to see if them watch the waiver wire in that final cutdown, especially at that position. All right, so uh, lots to get into about Lev Bell's situation, and we're going to dedicate uh, a segment unto itself for that because I don't know if I want to call it fake news and go down the Trump path here, but I question the legitimacy of how important we should take some of these reports. Not the reports themselves, the truth behind the reporting, but just what it really means. And I'll discuss that in a little bit and get some, I think, more newsworthy quotes from some teammates and Hall of Famers about Lev Bell in just a second. But we've talked about a couple of linebackers and defensive guys here injury-wise. I don't think James Harrison is hurt. I just think he's 39, and they're working him out in a different way, which is not with the team per se. He's been working out on his own a bunch, kind of did so again today in his gray sweatsuit in 91-degree heat, uh, which seems to be the Harrison way, right? So I asked Mike Tomlin today at his press conference if Harrison has gotten on the track yet to be a participant against the Falcons on Sunday. Does uh, Harrison in his alternative late 30s workout program deemed to be among the healthy, and will he be participating? Uh, I don't know. I haven't seen him yet today. <laughs> so the impression I get there, Dale, is it's Harrison who will inform Tomlin if he wants to play in the preseason game. And uh, I wonder, did he also inform Tomlin that he wanted to still be the starter? Because after what we heard from uh, Joey Porter, and then we talked to James Harrison about it, 90 minutes after Harrison was informed that he was no longer the starter, according to Coach Porter, the depth chart came out and he was starting. What do we read into that? Uh, I mean, Joey, what Joey Porter said is what the Steelers want to happen. They want T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree to win those jobs. He said the same thing last year about Jarvis Jones and Bud Dupree, and then Bud Dupree went out and got hurt in the preseason, and Jarvis Jones showed that he's still Jarvis Jones. Uh, so, you know, they had to kind of uh, blow it up and, 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 you know, break the glass and bring Harrison out of the, out of the bullpen. Um, in this situation, they want Watt and Dupree on the football field. That's their future. But if it doesn't work out, they still have Harrison there waiting in the, in the wings. And, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not a bad situation. I, I, you know, if T.J. Watt goes out and gets let's, six sacks in this preseason, there's a good chance he'll be the starter. But you're not going to just automatically name him the starter over James Harrison. I think that that causes some distress in your in your locker room. That, that can be a little troubling because. But you know. unless Harrison has been of the opinion that he shouldn't be starting anyway, and he is best served as simply a relief pitcher, as Joey Porter characterized. You know, I don't know that he would ever say that. I think he wants to be out there all the time, and that's you know, that's just his mentality. And I, and I think. 
that's the mentality that all players have. Um, but at the same time, you know, Joey Porter told us on Steelers Nation Radio when, when Missy Matthews and I had him on and, and we, we talked about this thing, uh, you know, it's a situation where, much like Tom Brady in New England, the reason the Patriots kept Jimmy Garoppolo around is because Tom Brady's 40. They could have traded Jimmy Garoppolo for a first-round draft pick. That's a pretty good return on a guy who was a third-round pick and really hasn't played a whole lot, but they think he's, you know, if something happens to Brady, he's ready to go. Um, and that was worth more than, than having yeah, the first-round draft Yeah, Brady could pick. retire at any point, and well, the and quarterback the dynamic is different or because he 40, knows the system. And what Porter said about Harrison is until you see him actually go out on the field and show you that he still has it, you don't really know when they get to be that age. You've Except his best it. football was played at the end of last year. But you can lose it quickly. You can, yeah, you can fall off a cliff, yeah. but I, I still think that James Harrison's greatest value to the team, as was shown the last two seasons, is at the end of the year, which is why I'm more of the opinion that you kind of bring Watt along slowly, have Harrison play a lot early when he's fresh after the offseason, get Watt acclimated, then have Watt, in essence, take over as the starter, say, the middle portion of the season, and then you let James Harrison loose in the postseason again. As I would imagine, but what Watt if, is what, just what, about to hit the rookie wall. But what if Watt goes out there and, and let's say, he, you know, 10 sacks? You're not taking him off when, the field. When are you saying 10 when, sacks? When you, when you play him in, when you put him in there, you plug him in and all of a sudden. How are they he, using him? Are they using him in spot pass rush duty? No, he's, play, he's playing full-time he's outside playing linebackers. The base? Yeah. And he goes out and gets you 10 sacks. If, if he gives you 10 sacks in the first 10 weeks or the first eight or nine weeks, uh, then, yeah, if he's giving you more pressures per game, then keep using him. But I'm, I'm just saying, and that's Dale. What to, that's Dale, what I'm, Joey I'm Porter was saying, though. I'm forecasting, though. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm assuming, much like with Bud Dupree, at some point he's going to hit a wall when you get beyond when Wisconsin season would have ended. And I'm saying if you manage to keep Harrison fresh over the well, course Wisconsin's of the year. Wisconsin's always in the Rose Bowl, right? That's... <laughs> <laughs> if you managed to keep him fresh during the year, well, they get six weeks off in between, though. Keep well, that in mind. That's true. Uh, you're going to get a much bigger return in the postseason, as was the case. It's just it, they went about it a different way. They clung on to the notion that Jarvis Jones was going to be something. They threw the Hail Mary last year that Jarvis Jones was going to warrant being picked up well, again. And they had, to, they had to find out what they had in Jarvis Jones. Before they let him go. Before right. they let him go. They had to make some kind of decision on him, so they had to figure out what they have. I think they're getting a pretty good idea of what they have in T.J. Watt. Uh, we've already seen more from Jarvis jo- or from T.J. Watt than we ever saw from Jarvis Jones. And I'm not talking about the, the, th- the two sacks that he had in the game the other day. Just watching him, you know, work on the football field, you can see that he's a much more polished player, even though he hasn't played the position as long. I will be interested to see him participate against tackles that aren't Adam Biznawadi and Brandon. Was Brandon Flowers? Was fuck Eric. Eric Flowers. That's a starting tackle, though. Yeah, but he stinks. I don't care. He's a, start- he's a starting tackle in the NFL. I mean, uh, you know, it's... It- you're going to play some of those guys. Uh, you're going to get those two or three sack games against garbage. Look at what, you know, James, everybody was, two years ago, James Harrison was, he was, you know, Jesus Christ superstar. And I'm, this is nothing against James Harrison, mind you. But three of his five sacks that year came in, four, in the fourth quarter against the Colts. When it was oh, obvious. Right. Yeah. Yes. So it happens like that. That's, those, those count too. I mean, so, you know, if you're playing. But then he was good in the playoffs. If you're, if you, if you're playing a bad tackle, you should in fact, dominate said bad tackle. Because sometimes those guys end up playing, you know. And that's, you know, we all raved about Chris Hubbard last year because, you know, when he played, it didn't, it didn't look terrible. Uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't the, you know, the, the, 
just the, the cluster bomb that we thought it was going to be out there because, it, you know, the Steelers were able to, to work with him out there. Um, that can, you know, when you start getting backups out there, you get a, a below-average starter out there. If you're a good defensive player, you should dominate that guy. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Last thing I want to bring up before we step aside, we're going to be a little bit shorter than normal in our open because we've got a lot to get to with the uh, stories that have come out in the last uh, 24 hours or so. And we have a Heinz Ward interview, which is an epic that goes all over the place. You watched it go down. Did you Dale. give him a chance? I, dur- <laughs> I definitely gave him a chance to speak. You might think the other way around. He did not, but uh, you can listen to be the judge yourself. Really good interview with Heinz. We'll have that coming up for you later on this hour, uh, about 7.35 or so. But um, I did want to bring up James Conner, too, because he participated again today. Not as much as yesterday, though, it appeared. Well, he banged his knee, if you, if you noticed, at the end of the, uh, I didn't the team portion yesterday when they were doing the team run. When he finally got outside and broke one off, he got tackled along the sideline, and he kind of got up a little gingerly and limped, limped back to the huddle. And they, they used him a little bit after that, uh, but not quite as much as they had earlier. And so I think maybe that thing uh, stiffened up a little bit on him overnight. They, they definitely want him to play on Sunday on the game, so I think they kind of took it easy on him today. He wouldn't start, though, would he? I wouldn't think so, no. I would prefer if they're going to play him just to see him start because I want to see him run behind as many first-team offensive linemen as possible. I don't know how many of those guys are going to play. But, that, yeah, therein lies that question, too. I would think both the tackles would, right? I don't think Pouncey will. I'm, I'm starting to think DeCastro will play. DeCastro will yeah. play. Pouncey and Foster will not. Uh, so you're, you're looking at the, you know, at the, most three-fifths. the interior of your line. You know, you'll have Hubbard and B.J. Finney out there at those two spots. Yeah, and you'll probably see some of Finney in the regular season at some point or another, right? I mean, he's the backup at uh, both guard spots and center. So, yeah, I mean, knock on wood for them. You know, they don't, they don't want it to work that way, but they those guys both had to play last year. 412-922-2874. Those are the numbers to call. You can also tweet us at Tim Benz PGH, at Dale Lally OR. We are here at Gianelli's 2 Right along Route 30 in Latrobe. We're here until 9 o'clock, courtesy of Bud Light, 350 for 20-ounce drafts. So make sure you join us. Also, we're giving away two tickets to Steelers Colts on the 26th of August. You've got to be present to win. So make sure you sign up here at Gianelli's 2. Uh, stop by on your way through on Route 30. Win tickets to Steelers Colts on the 26th of August over at Heinz Field. When we come back, you're going to hear from David DeCastro, who has some concerns about Le'Veon Bell missing training camp. A Hall of Fame running back also has some concerns about Le'Veon Bell missing training camp. You'll hear his comments and why Mike Tomlin is tired of us asking about it. All that to come next here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Like I said, when he gets here, he gets here. I'm not responding to national reports or hypotheticals or things of that nature. I just don't have time in my day for that. I'm going to focus my energies on the guys that are here. Well, it's a good thing Mike didn't speak after practice today because he would have had another one to respond to, not national, but local. We'll get to that in just a moment. Dale Lolly, Tim Benz here on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR at Gianelli's in Latrobe along Route 30. That's Gianelli's 2. And we are brought to you by Bud Light, 350 for 20-ounce drafts. Also brought to you by the Steelers Pro Shop. 
Visit any one of the four official Pittsburgh Steelers Pro Shops for the world's most complete selection of Steelers merchandise. Hinesfield, Grove City Premium Outlets, South Hills Village Mall, and our new location at Tanger Outlets, or simply log on to shop.steelers.com. Steelers Pro Shop, get it right, get it direct from the team going up until 9 o'clock. Um, so Mike Tomlin got a little tired of hearing questions asked of Le'Veon Bell's status, when is he coming back, etc. Dale. That was in direct response to uh, Adam Schefter's tweet, which quite honestly didn't advance much that, that more than we... That was the least impressive tweet of Adam Schefter's career. Yeah, it wasn't, he is usually very good. It wasn't fake news. It was no news. Right. Uh, everybody knew that Le'Veon Bell would be coming back at some point between uh, the end of training camp and the start of the regular season. Yeah, in other news, camp the was sky almost, is blue, <laughs> water's wet. <laughs> and they're know. still wearing black and gold. Yeah. yeah, he'll also be wearing number 26. His he'll name still will be really still good. be Le'Veon Bell. Right. There's um, still the little, you know... What is it, the little accentuation point or whatever? I can't remember what the, the punctuation the accent? point. The accent, yes. Oh, oh, the, oh the, the punctuation point? Yes, he'll All still right. have that in his name. So he puts this tweet out there, and I know that got a lot of people nationally excited, but it really just didn't say much. It didn't say we, anything. That we didn't already know. Okay, so follow that up with today, where a story came out in the Post-Gazette from Ed Bouchette, which stated that uh, much like I've been inferring for the better part of a few months now, he wants $15 million a year because he rapped about it. Uh, that, that's, that's what he said. He wants $15 million a year because he rapped about it. I've, I've been saying that for a long time now, and that's in essence what the article said. And that for, at the last minute, he bailed on a contract that had been agreed upon that would have given him an average annual value of $12 million and $30 million in cash up front over the first two years, which, again, were numbers that were floated out there many weeks ago. Yeah, those are the same numbers that we had before. Right. We it's, don't. We still don't. We know don't know what the, the structure. Yeah, we don't know what the guaranteed money on that deal was. We don't uh, know if it was a thirty million dollars signing bonus. Right. And you know, four hundred thousand dollars salary the first year, something like that, where it's all bonus money. We we don't know uh, what that bonus money is, and that's the sticking point on this, uh, especially if you're Le'Veon Bell and you play the running back position. Um, I get that. I mean, you're guaranteed the next two years, if you do nothing, you're guaranteed $26 million in over two years. Well, Ed threw in the quote, the I'm not a greedy guy quote, that I think you and I were both around for. Was that before the end of the season, or was that another one where yeah. you said that the no, offseason? That was, yeah, that was uh, before the season. I thought so, I remember yeah. being there for that scrum where he said that, I'm not a greedy guy. Well, he is being greedy. Uh, that's enough. Like I've said on a couple of occasions, that is enough to me. And... You know, you can't have it both ways in the sense that he and his agent are arguing that they need to get lots of guaranteed money up front because running back is such a precarious position. But at the same time, they also want the average annual value to be $15 million because it's $15 million, and that's what he said he wanted. You can't have it both ways. Teams aren't going to do that. They aren't, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a situation now where, you know, he wants to be paid what some of the other top players in the league are, are being paid. And, when I, you know, I'm just calling some stuff up here. Your, you know, your quarterback situation. I can't even look at quarterbacks because quarterbacks are completely different. But let's look at, uh, uh, for example, uh, wide receivers. And you get guys this year, his own teammate uh, is going to make, he just signed a new deal, four, it was a four, four year. His own teammate is, has a, an average of $17 million a year. Um, you know, A.J. Green's the second highest paid wide receiver. He's making 15. You got Julio Jones, Des Bryant, Demarius Thomas all making more than 14. Um, you know, and then T.Y. Hilton at, at 13. 
these guys, oftentimes, these contracts come down to what they can say to each other when they're at the Pro Bowl or something like that. Well, sure. hey, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm the main, you know, I make But that's petty. That's greedy. It is petty. I don't know that it's greedy. It's, I think it's short-sighted. Um, you know, I look at football contracts differently than I look at any other in contracts in any other sport because they're not guaranteed. Um, Le'Veon Bell could sign that contract. If, if only, let's say, there's, there's $20 million in, in, in guaranteed money in that. If he blows his knee out this year, that's all he gets. Now, to you and me, that may sound like a lot of money. And, and to most people, it is a lot of money. Uh, but if you, you, know, you, you put your life, your, your life expectancy, uh, we're, we're talking all about the, 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 the concussion issues that, that uh, you know, are, are prevalent now. You're putting your quality of life at risk playing this sport. Um, you know, is $20 million enough? Does anybody say that, that uh, Albert Pujols, for example, signing that $250 million guaranteed deal, was he being greedy? Or was he getting what he, what he was owed or what he was, was worth or what somebody thought he was worth? Uh, but it still set the standard at the time. It did. Just like A-Rod. Yeah, and, and I think Le'Veon Bell, in his mind, he's trying to set the standard but he will. for running backs. He still will. That's he my still point. will, he but still I think will. He, wants to, he wants that bar higher. He wants to see, when, when you see your own teammate, who, by the way, Le'Veon Bell was the team MVP last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. Correct? Right. Okay. So, in the offseason, he sees his own teammate who played on the same team that he did. He was the MVP. Le'Veon Bell was the MVP of that team. And Antonio Brown gets $68 million. Oh, great. He plays a different position. I think that's an I, apple I understand that. Team. But he's also trying to say that he's the team's number two. He's not just their lead yeah. running back. He's very valuable in the passing game as well. Okay, I, understand, so I, I understand his argument. The, the salary... Cap, excuse me, the franchise tag number is set at what it is for a reason, and now his average annual value will be what the franchise tag is for the entirety of the contract. That's pretty good. That, it, that, that it, should be it good is. enough. It is. I mean, but what's good enough when you, again, when you've got Antonio Brown averaging $17 million a year? And I think that's the sticking point right now with this whole deal. I really do. Then and, why didn't he rap that he wanted $17 million then? Well, he didn't, Antonio Brown hadn't signed his contract yet. Well, maybe he should have waited to cut the track until well, A.B. signed. Maybe he should have because at be, that time. Be pragmatic here. At that time, A.J. Green was averaging $15 million a year. $15 million is a little easier to rhyme. I feel like it $17 is, yeah. million is yeah. harder to spit yeah. out. Give me sitting. You know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so real quick, I, I want to get to this David DeCastro bike because we're going to hear the full interview okay. with DeCastro coming up later on. Listen to David DeCastro here. He's actively fighting with himself to say this soundbite as if he is battling with Fletcher Cox in the middle of the offensive line here, all right? He's trying to not be critical of Bell, but at the same time, he is because he's worried Bell is not going to come back in football shape. Take a listen. I know the offensive line has not had a lot of time playing together as a unit. How much do you feel you've been able to accomplish to taking steps towards getting better, even though the playing time together with one another collectively has been jagged? Yeah, I think we play long enough together to where we're not going to worry about it too much. I think it's the main thing out of getting out of training camp is getting us all five healthy until the first week. All right, we're going to have to get that soundbite later. That was the entire interview that you're going to hear later. The, the soundbite itself, Dale, is he said on a couple of occasions, I don't know what the stats are. I don't know if there are numbers to back this up, but I feel like players who miss training camp come back with a higher rate of injury once they start playing again because they're not in football shape. Now, I don't know what the stats and are. I don't know how what the, they are either, and, and I don't know. But, uh, you know, the first time that he stubs his toe, people are going to say, 
Oh, oh the, nar- yeah, the narrative yeah. is pre-written. I mean, if it happens in week 15, is it because he, he missed training camp? You know what I mean? It, it, or Vontez Burfitt blows yeah. out his knee again. Where, where's but, the cutoff line on that? If it, now, if I get it, if, if he comes back against Cleveland and pulls a hamstring, then you can point to that and say, yeah, that, well, that was probably a training camp thing. If he doesn't in week eight, I don't know that there's any correlation there. All right, now, Terrell Davis was also on the radio recently. He was on the Dan Patrick Show, and listen to what he said about why he thinks that Bell should be in camp. It's for different reasons. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. But he wants the same result. Does it matter that Le'Veon Bell is not in training camp, in your opinion? You know, I'd like to think it does matter. And it's not from just the uh, physical standpoint of him getting... Um, you know, game reps, or I think the practice reps help. And I know people look at Adrian Peterson for, for a number of years, you know, or LaDainian Thomas, and they didn't play in the preseason, but they did practice. And so, yeah, I think the practice time that he's missing is, um, is, is invaluable. And I'm not one to believe that, you know, that you can throw away practice reps and, and feel like, okay, I don't really need them. I'm going to come, come in and be my old self. And I think from a, a conditioning standpoint, game speed and game conditioning is totally different. Mm. And if you can get those in practice, then I think it helps you in the game. And, and, you know, and I think eventually he comes in, obviously, you know, maybe it's three or four weeks, he'll catch up. But the early time, I think he's going to struggle. I don't. I think he's going to come back and run for 126 yards against the Browns. Yeah, especially uh, Shelton, their, their big nose tackle, is out, is out three to six weeks now. He probably won't play in the opener. Danny Shelton, and that's their big run stuffer in the middle. Uh, they, they get the Browns. It's almost like another preseason game. Um, I, 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 it, you'd like to see the guy in training camp, um, just to, to get the, you know the, the the practice time in. You'd like to think that everything that we've done out here the last three and a half weeks means something. That's <laughs> all the practice. So you're saying that we've covered. you need to see him practice because it invalidates your work? Is that yes, it? that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Absolutely. If he comes back and is great, there's no reason for us there's to come no back to Gene Ellis next year. Ca- yeah, we don't need to come to training camp anymore. Well, I took these two theories, the one from DeCastro and the one from Davis to Mike Tomlin today and asked him for his opinion if either of those two explanations concern him about Bell's absence. I've always, and we did the first show together, Dale. We, we did the first night together. We're doing the last night together here. We uh, opened and closed. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's what a good pitcher does. Relief pitcher by Joey Porter's standards, right? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, I think that, I don't know if you have continued to have the same opinion. I know I have, that I feel like this is different than the usual player absence amongst his teammates and maybe even his coach. A general manager, it's, it's always the same. It's a negotiation. But I've felt from Jump Street that his fellow teammates believe that he should be here and he has been offered enough and he should be a part of the team, especially because he can't do anything else but sign the contract anyway. Uh, that's been palpable to me. Uh, some of what DeCastro said, some of the tweets that have gone out, uh, just the, the quotes that have come here and there. There's been a general... Uh, lack of support for Bell's absence that I didn't see, for instance, when 
Heinz Ward held out. And this isn't even a holdout. He doesn't have a contract right now, technically. It's different than Heinz, but I got more support for Heinz and others that have held out in the past. Uh, see, I, don't, I, don't, I, I didn't see it that way. Um, I, I think the guys, that the, the team, especially the offensive linemen, and there's some of the ones who spoke more you know, about this than others, uh, just felt like he's a very important cog to this team. They know how important he was. I have some guy tweeting me on, uh, at Twitter, he's not worth $12 million a year. Well, obviously the Steelers think he is. They offered him a deal worth that, and they're paying him that this For year. For five years, yeah. if you believe the numbers that were right. reported today. Right. So, uh, you know, I think they how all How is know. he not worth $12 million? How far to the cap are they right now? They're like $16 million under the – no, they are $12 million under the cap. That's even counting his number. So they've got, you know, money counting his number, counting yes. his number. Yeah. So technically, they're twenty-four million under the cap right now, so to speak. Yeah, yes. I mean, if they if they cut him, they'd have twenty-four million dollars if they decide to rescind the offer. I yes, um, they feel he's worth that. Otherwise, they wouldn't have made the offer. They would have made no offer at all and, and let him walk. But they feel he's worth. Yeah, it. and if you believe what you read today, you, I, I remember was it Mike Florio who wrote something to the effect that they should rescind the offer and just work out a new deal. But then he becomes a free agent, right? And based on what his agent allegedly pulled by agreeing to a deal, then changing tune at the last hour, would you trust him? Which to he make then, Le'Veon which Bell he then told other national writers that he didn't do. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. But who knows? Uh, it's a he said, she said the kind of thing. And, and again, who knows? But you know, I. I, I just feel like the you know this the, the teammates know that this is a Super Bowl quality team, and they want all the pieces in place, and they don't want this to linger into the you know the regular season. They don't want this to turn into something where he shows up the day before they go into Cleveland, and all of a sudden now they they've got to answer all the questions again. They'd rather get this done sooner rather than later, just to have him here. You think he's coming back this week? I think when they get back to the South Side, yeah, I, I think he's back, if not sometime. In the first couple of days, he'll, he'll be back. He's not going to play the third preseason game, anyways. At this point, he's not going to play the fourth preseason game, but he'll be back at some point here now. I There's think no reason he, not to. I think he comes back a day or two after the Colt game, it's which we are giving tickets away. By the way, you can come out and get some for the Colts and Steelers on August the 26th. We are at Gianelli's two along Route 30 in Latrobe. Thanks to Bud Light 350 for 20 ounce drafts. When we come back, you're going to hear from Steeler legend Heinz Ward now on the coaching staff. Uh, at least in an internship position here, here with the black and gold. He's coaching the wide receivers. He has been throughout the course of training camp, so you'll hear from Hines next. Dale Lolly, Tim Benz with you here on SNR and ESPN Pittsburgh. Bill Hillgrove in the call. We are getting ready for the Falcons, the Steelers at Heinz Field. It'll be the preseason debut at home for the black and gold. Dale Lolly now will be part of the pregame show. Make sure you're listening to it four hours in advance of Steelers and Falcons. So that means noon is when we hit the air. Nobody gave us a chance, Tim. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm giving my chances, myself a chance to be there by noon for a preseason game. But uh, the contract dictates, Dale, so I will be there. Hey, it's easier than what we're going to see for the most part to start the year. Five early games. Yeah. So it's five, nine o'clock starts and for then, us. And then, boom. And then it's nothing but late night. Yeah. So it's either the early, early mornings or the late nights after the game. In fact, I'm going to do both, as it turns out, uh, because we'll be doing the pregame show this week and the postgame show the week after and pregame. Well, you know what Adam Crowley's uh, theory is about you? What's That I'm a vampire. That you're a vampire. 
I only sleep during the daytime. <laughs> I squeezed in two hours of sleep before the Tomlin press conference today after waking up in the wee small hours of the morning to do the morning show. But uh, At least you weren't woken up by a, uh, a Nerf fight in yes. the storms this, uh, this morning. I'm not going to miss the Nerf gun. <laughs> It'll be the bane of my existence. To coming back to camp, I'll be twitching thinking about it next year. Anyway, here is uh, Heinz Ward, former Pittsburgh Steeler wide receiver. We're going to talk about his chances for the Hall of Fame a little bit later on. I had a chance to catch up with him at training camp. He's now a coaching intern with the team. Wide-ranging interview as we talk about this year's edition of the Steelers and the ones that Heinz played with, of course, in the past. Here's Heinz Ward on ESPN Pittsburgh and SNR. Did you ever see yourself being interested in the coaching ranks? I've, or did always, I've always been interested. I mean, I was, you know... I've always said in my career, if I didn't play football, this is probably something I would do. I mean, I've just been very blessed since retirement of signing on with NBC, now, you know, working for CNN. So the opportunity presented itself, so I wanted to, just to see what all goes into coaching and stuff, and uh, I'm liking it. It's what's been, yeah, I was going to say, mm-hmm. what's been your initial takeaway? Anything more difficult than you anticipated? Anything no, more fun than you thought? Probably more fun. Yeah. I mean, just to be able to help the young guys and still in everything that I've learned over my 14 years of playing. And, you know, even Antonio Brown, I mean, as, as great as he is, you can always get better at something. And sometimes it's hard to see kind of what you're doing when you're having success. So mm-hmm. um, still, you know, being that positive guy, I say, hey, if I see something in, in your game, I'll, I'll tell it, you know. And more than likely, he's oh, yeah, yeah, I felt that, I felt that. So the response from the guys have been tremendous. You know, it's, it's great because, you know, I'm learning from Coach Mann and learning all the different things that he does on the field, off the field, in the classroom and stuff. But, you know, I'm still bringing some of the, uh, the experience of the 14 years and some of the success that I've had over my career. So all in all, I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity and uh, I'm loving it. I guess I'm I'm glad you brought up A.B. because I was going to go to that next, actually. Two things about him, first of all, to your exact point about him still getting better. I believe Carnell Lake told Mike Pursuta, my partner over the DV pregame show, that he's actually seen more initial burst and explosion off the line of scrimmage from A.B. this year than in years past. Have you seen that, and did you think A.B. could get this good when you guys overlapped for that brief period of time in the first couple of years? No, I've always knew that he had the potential of being great. You know, the work ethic is, is bar none. I mean, the guy comes out here and, I mean, you can tell each and every day when he finishes his route. I mean, the guy practice on his technique, on his, you know, fundamentals, and it just shows in game day. I mean, just seeing him finish out here, even on one-on-ones, he'll catch a ball and score. That's the mentality you got to have. So, you know, it, 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 I just chuckle sometimes because the AV that I had, the pup, who was just wide-eyed, was just running. Now seeing him, man, man, the guy's really good. I mean, the so guy, you're seeing like polish more yes, than yes, just raw athleticism yes, improving. Correct, it is polished. I mean, all the little things that we talk about, um, you know, when you get a release, getting on top of the guy, uh, when you don't really get a good release, Ben and, 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 and A.B. have a great rapport, Ben a back shoulder fade, and, and A.B. is just as good as anybody in the league is adjusting, making an adjustment to catch the ball, and he has – great hands. I mean, we saw today he had a one-hander and one-on-ones mm. out here just warming up and stuff. So just to see the polish A.B., you know, the talent was always there. But now, I mean, it's showing up in his route running. It's showing up in his, his finishing. Uh, it's showing up in his overall game. And seeing that, and I mean, there's really nothing much I can really help him with mm-hmm. other than just to see the little things, the little mistakes as far as the stance, the stems, and stuff like that. And he's been very responsive. 
you know, to the, you know, I guess constructive criticism and stuff. Hey, maybe if you do this, hey, oh, yeah, I felt that. So you can see that he, he wants to get better. He wants to be the best, and I love that mentality because that's the same mentality I had. I wanted to be the best player that I possibly could, and I was never uh, too ignorant to not listen or, or be coached regardless of all the success I had I always felt like if you saw something in my game I wanted to know because I wanted to work I wanted to be the best wide receiver that I possibly could be and, and, and Antonio Brown's that guy. I feel like in watching Martavis there's probably to draw an analogy to your era a lot more of Plex's game in Martavis yes, than yours. It is. How do you coach Martavis then? The and same way. Same I way? Mean, just as far as route running and stuff like that. I, I think for Martavis, I mean, you take a year off, it's hard. I mean, you got to get your conditioning back. You can run out here and run routes all day, but when you have to run, you have to block, you got guys tugging you. Of course, I think he had a couple of pass interference down here because he's that explosive. I said when guys hold you because they can't cover you. Mm -hmm. And that is a, a deadly weapon that you have. I don't think he realizes how great he could really be. He's just putting in the time as far as route running. Normally with taller guys, they have difficulties of getting in and out of their breaks and working on that. He's bulked up a little bit. He's put on some size and still has the speed. Uh, the catch that he made down here, I've always told him, you get close to that end zone, you got to let your legs die. And he got both feet in bounds and he made the catch. And so, you know, it's rewarding for me teaching a guy like that, teaching all the wide receivers, you get close to the end zone, let your feet die and get mm -hmm. two feet in. And then to go out and see it, man, I get, to me, that's to just see like it actually me take hold. Yes, yeah, yes, that's right. just like me scoring. So to be able to see, you know, that those guys are willing to, just listen and learn and want to get better. I can see it in their eyes that they want to get better. And so when you start to tell them the little things and it works, it's like a big sponge. And, and for Martavis, he really wants to be great. And he, he's out uh, to prove to everybody that, you know, I'm back. He, he wants to come back and be a better player than he was before the suspension. Plex had his issues here. They got become greater once he went to New York, but he had little things here and never got himself suspended like that. But yeah. um, what did he do to mature and, and get more polished off the field? Well, I just think, you know, it's about surrounding yourself with positive people. You know, sometimes you have to disassociate with your people. And uh, for Martavis, he understands he made a mistake. And he knows that, hey, you don't get too many opportunities. And the opportunity is there. I mean, uh, talent-wise, the sky's the limit. It's just a matter of is he willing to put in the time, uh, is willing to do the right things to, to have that success. And, you know, because I look at Martavis, he can be better, if not better, than, 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 than Plexico Veras. He has all the skill sets, just like Plex, and probably a little faster than Plex. And it's me just encouraging that, honing in on the, the positive things that he can do. And when I see something negative, I'm going to work to death with it. I mean, just coming out here. I, I, I preached to him about conditioning, going after blocks, running back to the huddle. Because if you practice those things, you know, your conditioning would take place. And then now, this coming weekend, he gets an opportunity that I know he's he's waited a long time mm -hmm. for. So now I, I want him to go out there and be at his, at his best. I want him to perform well, and I, I have all the confidence that he will perform well. Has Ben better now than when you retired? Yes. Ben is... In, in which way specifically? Just the leadership understanding the offense like it is. I mean, now he's telling receivers what to do, how to stand, this is what I want. I mean, he's taking full control of his offense, and I sit back and just like, wow. <laughs> I mean, just to see his, you know, uh, uh, kind of the maturation part of it as far as becoming a leader, knowing the offense, telling guys what to expect, and, and, you know, all the guys, like I say, when 
One thing that I played with Ben, when he stepped in the huddle, you knew you had a chance to win. You just saw it in his eyes, mm -hmm. that the will to not, regardless whatever the score is, that we always have a chance to win. And just being around him now, he still has that same passion, that same desire. And now he's taking it to another level by helping these young wideouts that we have. He's still really good at eluding pass rushers and keeping plays alive, but you've seen it on both sides now. You, I'm sure as a receiver, love the fact that you could freelance with him and get open if a play broke down, yeah. but he's also getting rid of the ball more quickly, and the offense is dictating yes. that. As you look at it from both perspectives now, would it have behooved you guys to have implemented a similar offense earlier in Ben's career to have him absorb fewer hits and get the ball out more quickly? Well, I don't know if he was ready at that time. I mean, ready uh, to assimilate those kind yes, of responsibilities. Correct. I mean, we just kind of, you know, we went along as he, as he went along. I mean, we didn't want to give him too much of that. But slowly, towards the end of my career, you know, we kind of opened up the playbook and we gave him more hurry up and things that he wanted to run mm -hmm. and felt comfortable with. And and we had some great games by him doing that. But now, I mean, this offense goes through Ben. I mean, he's taking full control. He knows where to put guys in. He, they have hand signals. They have their own little things. I'm like, man, we used to have all that. So <laughs> you start to see the little nuances and stuff and seeing that the guys are uh, starting to buy into to what he's saying, man, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I, I'm kind of I'm excited to see where this team can go, and it, and it starts with Ben. I mean, if we can keep him healthy, we'll have a great chance of really going far. Last two things. First of all, Juju, what have you seen from him in between injuries? I know oh, he's man. Been... Yeah, he's had a, you know, been dinged up this camp. I mean, with the concussion and, and today and with the knee, but uh, I like him. I really do. I think the kid has great hands. Uh, he's smart. Uh, he's physical. Uh, so I see a lot of myself in him. So I want this kid to, to have success. I want to give him all the knowledge that I know about the game. And he's very coachable. I mean, normally after plays, he messes up. He say, oh, I messed up. I did this. So now I know that what I'm saying to him is registering because he can feel mm -hmm. his mistakes and stuff. So when, when you have guys that are buying in and that are listening and then they're you know, evaluating themselves out on the field and knowing what they did wrong, it just makes me smile. I mean, it's just great. But it's, it's no different as I was playing. I took the younger guys in because they were too scared to go to the coaches and didn't want them to know that they messed up or yeah. not know. So a lot of those guys came to me. So, you know, for me, uh, to see guys like Nate Washington, to see him have a long, productive career, see Santonio Holmes, Randwell, all these guys, Mike Wallace, Emmanuel, AB, to see them all have success, uh, I know that I was a, uh, uh, I helped them along the way, and it just makes you feel good to see that all those guys are still playing well and playing at a high level and made lots of money and. And uh, I'm just thankful to be a part of that. Final thing, do you think you and Allen will eventually get into the Hall of Fame? And if not, oh, are you happy that they've created this Steeler Hall of Honor that they have? You for know what? I, I was kind of excited because, you know, just going around in other stadiums, they have it. They have the Ring of Honor. You know, that's something that, you know, we have a lot of great players. And to be in the Ring of Honor one day... For any guy, I think that was that's just as good as making them to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, because if you enter if you enter the stadium on the uh, casino side or the, the museum side, you're not going to be able to see that if you don't walk over to the correct. FedEx Great Hall. Correct, correct. Yeah. And I think I, you know I just think the legacy of all the great players who have worn the black and gold is just a, it's just great. And you know I was happy to see that we're going to start that. So you know maybe one day I'll be fortunate enough to to, to get in, but. The Hall of Fame, I mean, it's always a great, I mean, but Allen and I, we never played the game to try to make the Hall of Fame. I mean, we just played our butts off, and for Allen, you know, it was kind of sad that he didn't get in, but, 
he's a Hall of Famer in my opinion. Just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. For me, I, I, you know, I don't really know what the criteria is anymore. I mean, people can sit there and say and debate all the time, and I was like, you know, if it happens, it happens. You know, it was, it'd be great, but you know, I, I never started my NFL career saying that I want to be a Hall of Famer. I- Dale, what do you think? Does he get in? I don't think he does. I, I think, and I think it's largely based on the the overall numbers. I think by the time Hines Ward is eligible for the Hall of Fame, heck, Antonio Brown may have passed him <laughs> as the leading receiver on his own team. Brown's at like 632 catches right now, or 641, something like that. Uh, he's got 481 catches in the last four years. You know, the the, the way the game has has turned into a a pass first. Uh, just the, the way the game has gone, a pass first game, it, you know, the, the thousand catches is nice and it's a nice round number and it, it, it looks good. Um, there may be, you know, 25 guys ahead of him by the time he's eligible for the Hall of Fame. Uh, I think that Fanica gets in eventually. Yeah, I'm Fanica's not sure. Uh, I think in. I'm 40 60 on Hines right now. 40 60. I'm going to need some convincing before. I think he, I would vote for him. Well, I think he deserves but to I'm be 40, there. But I'm 40 yeah. 60. Um, he just never, he, he never was like the, the, the lead leading receiver in the league or anything like that. And he played on some off he played in some offenses that were very run dominated and still put up good numbers. When we come back, believe it or not, the Patriots actually have some bad news. We'll discuss when we return. Tim Benz, Dale Lolly with you here on SNR and ESPN Pittsburgh. This is exclusive coverage of the 2017 Steelers training camp on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by Bud Light. We don't just brew beer, we brew beer for friends. LeCom, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine, and LeCom at Seton Hill. Excella Health. We have excellence in healthcare. You have Excella Health. Today's training camp injury report is brought to you by Excella Health. We have Excella. We have excellence in healthcare. You have Excella Health. I was perfect on that one until the last day, and then I flubbed it. Yeah, that's, you know. Let me try it again. Happens. Today's training camp injury report is brought to you by Excella Health. We have excellence in healthcare. You have Excella Health. That wasn't so hard. Uh, maybe <laughs> it's because I was actually going outside of Latrobe for the injury report today. There it is. That's I, the, I should go to Boston for the guy who got hit in the gonads <laughs> on the first pitch, which you have now watched <laughs> 47 I times. I can't stop watching this. Yeah, if, if you haven't seen it, look it up online. <laughs> TMZ did a great bit with it. Uh, first pitch to honor the 1967 uh, Boston Red Sox team, and uh, some guy got on the mound and he hit a baton. Yeah, he hit the bull, and he castrated the bull. Jackie Sherrill. All right, we've only got about a minute here, Dale, but uh, the injury report here has to do with the guy that the Steelers liked at a Youngstown State, Derek Rivers. Derek Rivers, uh, probably done for the year. That's a that's a big blow. That's, that's too bad. He's a he, he's a nice kid. Talked to him a little bit at the combine. Um, really uh, just a shame that the, if his rookie season would be wrecked by a knee injury. Yeah, it's too bad, like you said. I mean, I, I interacted with him once, too, and um, he is a decent guy, and I just it's too bad for him to get his career off to this kind of start. Uh, it's just rare that anybody says, hey, look, bad news for the Patriots. Like, when do you say that? They've been, that doesn't happen often. They do so much right, and even when they picked him in the third round, I was like, God, it's a good pick. Yeah. Well, you know, got the Steelers liked a lot, you know. They, exactly. They liked him a lot, but they had already taken T.J. Watt. So they didn't need him by that point, but he right. was in there thinking. Yeah, oh, he's definitely, he was definitely in the mix. I, I was actually thinking he was going to go in the second round somewhere. Yeah, and I think if the Steelers hadn't gotten Watt, I think he would have been they might, the fallback yeah, option. They might yeah, have, if they had gone a different position, 
a different player at a different position, they might have gone with Rivers in the second round. Turn the other corner and they never would have met. You know, that's a, the, the wham. Lost line. connections? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, when we come back at the 8 o'clock hour, among other things, we'll get to that David DeCastro interview. Um, you will be interested to hear what he said about Le'Veon Bell, and uh, we will talk as well about some of the guys that need to step up for the second preseason game and those that did in preseason game number one that could do the same in preseason game number two. That's coming up in the second hour of the show from Gianelli's along Route 30 in La Trobe. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.